Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello, it is Thursday, Thursday of the fourth week of Easter. Still Easter season here, so I hope you're uh, not forgetting to celebrate the Resurrection Day in and day out here during this wonderful time of the year. I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to welcome you to this hour of the inner life. Now today, when, when you think about somebody who is poor, what comes to mind? Somebody who lives in poverty. Does that mean someone who might be in a rundown house, or perhaps they're renting a shabby small apartment, or maybe they live in a trailer in a not-so-desirable part of the town. Do you think of someone who doesn't know where their next meal will come from? Or do you even consider yourself to be living in poverty? Here in the U.S., according to the United States Census Bureau, about 10% of all U.S. residents live below the poverty line, one out of 10. Some states, like New Mexico, Louisiana, and Mississippi, in those and some others, the rate is almost double the national average, with about one out of every five people living in poverty. And how does the U.S. define what it means to live in poverty? Well, each year, the Department of Health and Human Services issues poverty guidelines for our country. For this year, 2022, a single person living on their own, they're considered to be under that threshold if they make less than $13,590 over the course of the year. If you look at a family of four, and it doesn't define what structure those four people are. It might be two parents and two children. could be a single parent with three children. Whatever the, the makeup of that family of four is, if they make less than $27,750 this year, they are considered living below that poverty line. So those are the numbers. But what does poverty actually look like for the individual person? Well, a story that stuck with me was one that I heard a number of years ago. My wife and I, we were looking into domestic adoption, possibly adopting one or even a sibling pair of children. And the state that we lived in at the time, it required that to adopt, you had to first have the child come into your home through the foster system so that they'd get to know you so that you know, there was a lot of testing that happened of that relationship before you would ever officially adopt. So we began this process of learning about foster care leading up to adoption. And the workers that went through kind of the trainings and different things that you'd learn, those workers that helped place these children, they said that there was one experience that they saw again and again 
especially with older children. You know, if a child was at least eight, nine years old, maybe into their teens, but they were being introduced to a family for foster care, the workers would ask at some point after that initial introduction, after kind of the the first, uh, you know, a couple of hours that the child might have spent there being introduced to the family, getting to know the family, seeing the surroundings, they'd ask that child's impression of that prospective family and if the child thought they'd be happy there in that home. And the workers said that it was almost universal, the response that they'd get the child would look at two things. They'd look inside the fridge and they'd look inside the pantry. And if there was plenty of food in that home, then the child would say, yes, yes, absolutely. I can be happy here. They had almost certainly known what it was like to live without enough to eat, not knowing where they might get their next meal. So having that security of not going hungry, this was far more important to them than almost anything else personality conflicts, worries of neglect or abuse, they could handle that as long as they wouldn't starve. And so sometimes when I get caught up in trivial things that won't really matter all that much in the long run, I think back to that image of a child who's willing to gamble on so many other things in life, willing to deal with you know, the abuse or conflict or whatever it might be, only so that they know they have that security of enough food to eat every day. You remember what I said, we have one in 10 people living in poverty here in our cities and our communities. Where you live, what's the population? If it's a large metro, you probably get to see the homeless and the less fortunate more often in certain areas of your community. That might not be so visible in a smaller town, but even in a smaller town. If that's where you live, maybe, you know, just as an example, 20,000 people living in your area. That still means about 2,000 of them are living below that poverty line, struggling to pay bills, struggling to buy groceries. So there's plenty of opportunity to help right where you are, right where I am. And today on The Inner Life, we want to talk about charity and how we can help those in need, the poor that are around us. And joining us is our spiritual director for the hour. I'm very glad to welcome back Father Sam Martin to The Inner Life here. Father Martin is a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. He's the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin. Father, welcome back to The Inner Life. So glad to have you here today. Yeah, Josh, uh, happy Easter. We can still say it, and it's good to be with you, all our listeners. And it's a, um, a very challenging but a, an encouraging topic all the same. Well, and so before we get into maybe some of the ways that we can help, it's good to maybe have some understanding of what the Church teaches as we are looking to help those in need. Um, I mentioned the word charity, and typically when we use that word, we are talking about giving to those less fortunate, providing financial or material assistance to somebody in need. Um, You know, most probably recognizable around Christmas time. You know, the Salvation Army red buckets that are outside of the stores that we go in and out of. Um, You know, making those donations to a food bank, um, to other places, maybe a Goodwill or a St. Vincent de Paul or something like that. Uh, Sending a donation to Catholic Charities to help those without as much. But the word, uh, that word charity, it actually means love. So can maybe you give us a better understanding of 
what we mean, what the church really wants us to understand when we talk about charity? I think basically you'd want to remember that it's a theological virtue, and that, you know, faith, hope, and love, right? And the greatest of these is love, and that's St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And uh, when it, we say a theological virtue, a virtue perfects us. It uh, imparts a certain discipline about, you know, the passions and so forth so that we can uh, be consistent, not too high, not too low, but just real steady, real faithful, real uh, trustworthy, and so forth. So charity theological virtue comes from God, so he says that it wasn't you who chose me, I chose you, insofar as we exist at all. Well, God wanted us to. He didn't want to spend eternity without us, so he created us, I mean, through the embrace of our mom and our dad, and we came into this world. And so uh, God, this theological virtue that comes from God and leads us gradually, and for some of us very slowly, but even so leads us home to God, that the exitus reditus was the old theological framework, that we come from God, but we're meant to return to him, and he gives us a choice, of course, uh, but uh, he promises to give us every grace that we need. So then remember that the, the virtue is a gift, and God is love. It's not what he does, but it's just his identity, and we're created in his image and likeness, and so we won't really discover who we are unless we discover love. We were made for it. Our life makes no sense without it, and even if we do experience it, it's never an easy thing for us to, to incorporate. I mean, Succinctly, they used to say that to love is to will the good of the other. So love is selfless. It it thinks of others. It gets outside of our own little world, and, and it becomes aware that unless I live for others, unless I imitate the Lord who came not to be served but to serve, if I don't live like that, then I'm not happy. Well, why? I've got everything. i got lots of stuff, but I there's something missing. And uh, therein can you know begin a spiritual conversion to recognize that. So whatever charity is, it's... Um, it has to do with God, and uh, even people that don't believe in God, love, they're already having an experience of him, they just don't know it yet, and that's okay, that God, um, he's reaching out to them, and someday when they're ready, please God, they'll be able to acknowledge his presence, but uh, he loves every single one of us, we wouldn't exist if he didn't, and uh, that love then has to be, for us to be disposed, we have to engage it, so it's going to be crucial, we can't get to heaven unless uh, we start to learn how to love. Now, none of us gets it right all the time and uh but we um whatever charity is when it applies to the poor it applies to them because well what jesus said what you did for the least of my brothers and sisters you did it for me this was uh, mother Teresa's gospel of five fingers you did it for me or you didn't and uh, these are jesus said, the poor you always have with you so the way we treat them is the way we treat the lord and uh, that will be judged for that. Uh, that's going to you know, open our hearts to re- be received into his kingdom or harden our hearts so that we'd have no interest in his kingdom. Uh, that's what is at stake. So you mentioned the parable of the sheep and the goats that you know, Jesus tells. That's found in Matthew's Gospel, the 25th chapter. Um, as he's talking about that, one of the things that you said also kind of helping us understand charity and the love that is given to us from God that he has showered upon us. You said we can't get to heaven unless we start to learn to love. How do we start to learn to love so that we can take what God has given us and bring it out to the world? Almost always it has to be revealed to us by someone else, and typically it's our mom and dad. But I have a friend that said even when he was 
he has this memory from when he was real little. He knows he was little because his parents were giving him a bath in the in the sink. So you got to be pretty small. But he said he he could already talk, and he said that he remembered. He said to his parents, "Do you love me?" And so that it shows the ache of the human heart, even well before our mind is fully developed, that we are so desperate for love and uh, we need someone to reveal it to us and of course the world i mean what word has been more manipulated and uh, and how many counterfeits of love would you think there, there might be i don't know but so many times we we discover that this is not it whatever my life was meant to be whatever meaning and purpose uh god had in mind when he created me uh this isn't it you know so uh when they were we were young. It used to. There was a T-shirt, I think, and it said that he who has the most toys wins. All right. Well, I don't know what they win, and uh, but I, it seems to me that many people would say I have a lot of stuff, but they don't. Um, that's not the source of happiness, and and that of course is found in God. Uh, there's a great um, quote. I'd have to go grab it, but I'll let it go for today. But it was Pope Benedict spoke to all the Catholic school kids in uh, Scotland, England, Wales, all the British islands, and. Uh, and he says that that you know that the meaning of human life is is love, but the tragedy is that so many people never find it because they look for it in all the wrong places. And the truth is that it can be found in God. And as you grow closer to God, you start to love the poor. You start to want to help people who are grieving. You start to to live for others. And then, if you begin to do those things, you are well on your way to becoming a saint. And it was so beautiful because he said, he, as he was given this talk, he said, I imagine listening to me today are some of the future saints of the 21st century. And it's such a hopeful thing and such a, you know, that we forget that wherever we are and whoever we are and whatever we've experienced, we're still called to live a heroic life. But it has to be revealed to us. And typically it's mom or dad or in the case that you were looking at, uh, you know, through foster care, the possibility of adoption. Lots of different ways that God is always working uh, in the world so that we know, like my, my friend when he was little, do you love me? Yes. Well, how will I know? Well, you know, it's um, wasn't it in uh, the Fiddler on the Roof, right? And then I'll, I'll be quiet for a moment. But uh, when Tevye looks at his <laughs> wife, Tevye, he, sure. yeah, and he says, "Do you love me?" And she says, "What do you mean? Do I love you? I mean, I've cooked and cleaned and raised your kids. I've done this for twenty-five years." And he said, "No, I know, I, I know all that. But even so, it's it's nice to hear you say, you know, the words." And I think that's true. That. That love is proven more by deeds than words. It's easy to say I love you, but to, to do all those little menial tasks is, is more convincing. Uh, but even so, we do like to hear somebody say, I really love you. Oh, thank you. It's good. Those are words that bring hope and healing. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are important words for everyone to be able to hear from somebody. Uh, talking with Father Sam Martin here on The Inner Life today. He's a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, talking about how we can help those in our communities that are in need. And our studio line that you can call in and join the program is 888-914-9149. How do you help those in need in your community? What are ways, maybe even simple things, that you've been able to do to give to those who don't have much? Or maybe you were on the receiving end. Maybe somebody helped you in your time of need. How did you experience God's love? in receiving that help when you needed it. 
Again, the phone number 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Father, let's go back to that parable of the sheep and the goats for just a moment that Jesus tells. And for somebody who might not be familiar with it, uh, again, it's in the 25th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, and it's at the end of the world where all the nations, Jesus says, will be set before him, and he'll separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The sheep go on his right, and the goats go on his left, and then he addresses each one. He addresses the group that are the sheep on his right hand, says, you took care of me when I was hungry, when I was sick, when I was naked, you visited me when I was in prison, all these different acts of charity. And he says, enter into the kingdom, enter into your rest. And then he looks at the goats and says, you didn't care for me when I was hungry and sick, naked, in prison, all these different things. And there's the question that comes from both groups. When? When, Lord? For the sheep, it's when did we do this? For the goats, it's when did we not help you? And Jesus then, of course, gives that famous line, which you already referenced, the the five-finger gospel of Mother Teresa, you did it for me. So for the, the sheep, the ones on his right hand, they did it to the least of his brothers or sisters. For the goats, the ones who do not enter into paradise, they end up hearing those words, as much as you did not do these things to the least of my brothers or sisters. You did not do it for me. I think one of the things here is, you know, we find ourselves understandably attracted to people who are, (laughs) you know, beautiful and energetic and charismatic. And when we go and help somebody who is probably going to be in that that spot of need in their life, they can be rather unattractive. How can, how do you think we can look at those people that might be unattractive and be able to look past that and truly see the face of Jesus in each of those individuals? Something happens in our interior life. It's something that comes from God that he would help us. No one can do it on a natural level. I mean, uh, you know, there are a lot of good people that lots of great agencies. Our country is set up to really take care of a lot of people. That notwithstanding, people still fall through the cracks. But to have real charity, to see, you know, like Mother Teresa would say, Christ in distressing disguise. He's in there, but, I mean, you know, so she was praying four hours a day at a lot of her life and in the Eucharist every day and in regular reception of the sacramental graces that were configuring her heart to Jesus because he can see the good in every one of us. I mean, he doesn't struggle with that whatsoever. And not as man sees, does God see. Man sees the surface, God sees the heart. So it's it's only a matter of, of spending that time with the Lord. And, and also being honest that I, you know, that sometimes um, you work with people and some manipulate and they connive and they're always out, they're on the take, you know, and, they, and that doesn't discriminate between rich or poor. You'll find it everywhere in every sector of society. And so sometimes we... We just are kind of cynical when we come to these uh, opportunities to serve. And once again, an invitation, you're going to have to pray more. I mean, Mother Teresa was so much a realist that when she'd find out a priest was, uh, he would pray his bravery and daily mass mostly, you know, but that was about it. No other extra, you know, like mental prayer and holy hour, nothing like that. And, and she would just kind of chastise these priests and say, you can't love them. 
you know, not without Jesus' help. I mean, are you kidding me? And, and this was a woman that knew that it's hard to love people, and not because of them so much as our own hearts are just small. They, well, we get bothered by the smell of someone or the, the appearance of someone or well, some other little, you know, idiosyncrasy that is not the measure of who that person is. I mean, that, that's just something that is it's a, a part of life for now. But, you know, C.S. Lewis, he had this sermon, The Weight of Glory, and he said all day long we are around immortals, people that are destined to live forever. And if you were to see them as they will appear in heaven, you would die, not out of fright, but out of awe and wonder. This person that stands before you now is created by a supreme being. And the glory of this person is hidden in this world. But it's there. It's all there. It just needs God's grace and, and the life that we'll live, the suffering that can be redeemed, all these things. that. Um, so you have to get really close to God. And I, I had a lot of people that uh, show me where I'm at, spiritually speaking, and I shy away from them because I don't like to know that, I, well, gosh, I thought I was really holy. Well, you're just, you, know, you are kind around people that you like. And... Oh, yeah. So what about people that I don't like? I avoid them so that I'm not <laughs> challenged to actually have to grow. So, uh, But you pull a string and you, our true colors come out, and maybe that's why God, he said, the poor would always be with us to really help us to, to love like he loves, not the surface but the heart. And you have to have a pretty deep spiritual life to get to that point. Uh, well, Father, you make reference to that, that uh where Jesus says, you will always have the poor with you. Let's come back to that, because, you know, when you read that, it might sound like Jesus is being a bit dismissive of helping the poor. So let's let's talk about that maybe when we come back from the break here. Again, our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. And the phone number to call in, 888-914-9149, as we're talking about how we can help and serve the poor in our community, in our world, and how have you been able to do that? Maybe what's helped you, as Father Martin was just talking about, being able to see Jesus in the face of those who are in need, uh, being able to really see that you are helping him when you help somebody else who uh, doesn't have as much. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. Email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll be right back here. You're listening to Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. You have a special place in God's plan for the world. Learning about Christ's role in history can change your life and strengthen your faith. Right now, get free access to Christendom College's online history class at principlesclasses.com. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. How do you help those that are in need, the poor, in your community? What are some ways that you've helped? Maybe simple things that you've done, or maybe uh, ways that you've been able to encourage your entire family to help those in need. Maybe you're the person who was in need at one point, and somebody helped you, and how did that help you to learn to experience the love of God in, in a new way, receiving that help when you needed it. 
888-914-9149 is the number you can call and share your story, 888-914-9149. Or you can ask a question of Father Martin if you have a question related to helping the poor, helping those in need, 888-914-9149. Father Sam Martin, as we continue talking here, I mentioned... You know, you you made reference to Jesus's words, you'll always have the poor with you. And this is where Jesus, he's just been anointed with this very expensive oil. Judas, he complains that it could have been sold for a huge amount to help the poor, 300 days wages. And then Jesus says those words, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. So it could sound like Jesus is being a bit dismissive here, of helping the poor. Um, what what should we really take away from what Christ is saying in this passage? Well, there's always a kind of a Messiah complex, I suppose, in the human heart, that if we don't put Jesus first, it will usurp his position pretty soon. We're here with the government. We're here to help. And, uh, you know, which is not a, a terrible thing. We want to, but all of a sudden it's, we get caught up in what we're doing for others. And, and our faith is one that there's this kenosis, this self-emptying, that we're just unprofitable servants. We only did what the Lord asked so that, you know, the praise and glory goes to God. We can't handle it. You know, when we start to build ourselves up, uh, boy, that is a dangerous. I mean, we get on a high horse, and, and the devil loves pride, and which is self-love to the point of, uh, you know, if not contempt for others, at least we're not all that interested. We're, we use others to build ourselves up. And when it comes to, um, you know, charitable works, I mean, the devil is, uh, he likes to wear a white hat, too. He can turn things just a little bit, and we were doing the right thing for the right reason. But then somewhere along the line, it was, um, you know, there was a kind of a, a haughtiness. Maybe we became smug and, you know, like the uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector. That You know, Lord, thank God I'm not like that guy because, I mean, I do all these things. And we walk into the church and we say, Lord, you are a lucky God because you've got me. You look at what I've done for you, and that empties religion of any real import. I mean, the religion is to say, look at what God has done for us. And that's the beginning of, of worship, of praise, of gratitude. I mean, the things that are noble in the human heart. And Jesus, you know, if, if we don't put him first, we're going to be serving the poor, and maybe we started out in the right way, but it's going to be more dangerous. The devil's going to be there, and he's going to try to start, you know, turning things just a little bit and and we're you know full of pride because of all the things we've done or uh we just need to be needed so or we kind of heavy-handed with the poor and we we never really treat them as our equal we're here to help them to save them and they need us and don't they ever forget it and make sure that you're grateful and you know i mean the poor have uh you know just like any other you know population like the rich or the poor or the whatever i mean you can segregate them however you like but you're going to find the usual number of of real good people and those that are maybe on their way to becoming good or maybe not even you know approaching it they're on their way to becoming you know thoroughly corrupt and so um you know it's just it's going to be better for us that's what jesus is making it clear stay close to me if you empty the gospel of of christ it's just you know a kind of a social outreach and that's not bad but it's not going to save any souls I mean, you're just going to put some bread in the people, you know, and put them in uh, on the the food line and get them, you know, some physical sustenance. But that that's not why Jesus came. I mean, and he knew that. That's why they were going to carry off, him off and make him a king, because he, their bellies were full of bread. 
but he wasn't Nick Fulton Sheen always said he did not want to be a bread king he was Christ uh, he was the Messiah he was God's only begotten son he reveals himself in lots of other ways but I'm not here just to make sure you all get something to eat I'm here to save your souls your body is going to get old and tired no matter how much you have uh, but your soul for that I give my life so that's where I think sometimes if we're not close to Christ we were going to miss a lot of cues that he would help us with, and uh, it just becomes a kind of a social service that is more into what they used to call self-aggrandizement. I'm building myself up. It looks good on a resume. And I don't mean to judge anybody. I don't mean to say that these things uh, you know, happen inevitably. But without Jesus, uh, we're going to be on pretty thin ice because the devil knows how to wear a white hat and uh, confuse the heck out of us. Hmm. Well, let's also look at something in the Catechism. Um, this is a section that's devoted to love for the poor, and it begins in paragraph 2443 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. But one thing that initially stood out to me about this section is not anything uh, contained with it, but it's, it's rather that it's a subsection for one of the Ten Commandments. And that's the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. So the catechism points us in a direction that tells us, at least implies, if we don't help those in need, does this really mean that we are in a way stealing from our fellow man or fellow woman? Yeah, I mean, these are all things that can, uh, they're heavily nuanced, right? I mean, I like... You know, sometimes, you know, Mother Teresa would just kind of, because she experienced so much. I mean, she spent her whole life, I mean, after she had her call within a call, she just lived this life in such an exemplary way that, uh, and she would say, live simply so others can simply live. Like, am I living in a way that deprives? I mean, I have more than I need. I And that blinds me. It's like, you know, Jesus tells about the rich man and, and Lazarus, who's just there, he'd be happy to get it some, you know, a crust that falls from the table, but the rich man never gave him anything. And then it's different on the other side. Like, listen, you had your chance. There was a person you could have helped, and it wasn't like you were going to starve yourself. To You could have done something, and you didn't. And I think that's, you know, of all the things that are sinful, you know, those, those sins of omission, sometimes we forget, but you could have. And you even knew. I mean, it wasn't, you know, because a sin can't be, if you're not aware of it, I mean, the, the level of culpability goes way down. But you knew, and you said no, that you had a chance and not today. Someone else is my issue. It's not my problem. Now, this doesn't mean we should make people that have worked hard and have achieved things and have some wealth. They shouldn't feel bad about it. I mean, it's, you know, they have a right to their own private goods. I mean, this is the way God designed us. I know that you get into other ways of like communism, socialism, and so forth. But in terms of the way in good Christian anthropology, we have a right to the things that we achieve, the things, the goods that we uh, earn. But how do we use those goods? I mean, it's a, you know, for ourselves, or do we do anything for anybody else? And that's, uh, is, you know, it's not that a rich person can't be generous. And it's not that a poor person can't be greedy. I mean, you can find greed in both rich and poor and, uh, and generosity in both rich and poor. You know, so, and actually we find, I mean, statistically, uh, people with less tend to give more. People with more tend to give less. That's a stereotype. It's a generalization. But I mean, we might want to look in our own heart and say, what do I do for others? I mean, do I ever think about anybody else? I mean, when's the last time I helped somebody that there was nothing in it for me? And I, you know, I just did it out of the goodness of my heart. 
now maybe we forget those things because we're really close to Jesus and we're not even thinking about what we've done for anybody. We just kind of naturally do it. Well, that's the goal, is that this isn't something that I, I do during Lent and i got to get it out of the way. or uh, You know, it's just I, I'm kind of aware of people. I'm kind of a, uh, my heart is alive. It's awake. It's attuned a to, I can't do everything, but I, I found little things, little ways of doing things to serve. It depends on where we're at community-wise and, and in our own life in terms of our what we have and what we can. But And the money is the easy thing. You know, that's the easy, oh, I'll just write a check. Yeah, that's good. I mean, we need, God knows that we need the money to pay the bills and so forth. But there are a lot of other beautiful ways of charity that are little and that we could do even if we don't have a nickel. And those are the ones that the Lord, he'll offer those opportunities. And as we grow closer to him, we're going to see more of these things. And we're going to say, well, gosh, I mean, were those always there? Yeah, yeah, you just, you weren't close enough to Jesus to be aware of this whole life that he reveals to us. And it's beautiful. Father Sam Martin is our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today as we talk about how we can help those less fortunate than ourselves, those that are in poverty, those who need our help, and how we can do that with the love of Christ, and also inviting your phone calls here, and our phone number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. How are you helping those in your community? What are some ways, some of those simple things, maybe it's not just simply giving a donation. What are some other ways you've been able to help those that don't have much? Or maybe you're the one who's been helped, and how did that help draw you, not only uh, help meet whatever physical or material needs you had, but help to bring you closer to Christ, help you to grow spiritually. 888-914-9149. And Father, let's go to Carolyn, who's listening in Round Rock, Texas. Carolyn, thanks for calling. You're on the air with Father Sam Martin. Good morning, Father. Um, I wanted to ask you a question. I work at the St. Vincent de Paul Food Pantry, and we set it up to where it's in the breezeway and people drive up, you know, to get their boxes and their food and everything. Um, Every morning before I go, I always pray not to be judgmental. But then people drive up in Mercedes and luxury cars, designer clothes. How do I approach that to where I'm not judgmental? of knowing nothing of those people except what I see. Yeah, Carolyn, you hit uh, a nail right on the head. I mean, that's the great challenge, and those are things that, um, if with God's help, we can make some progress. But uh, in the end, he'll be the judge, and we want a God that is merciful, but also one that's just. You know, he's going to shake it all out. It's like... Uh, yeah, it was that that one scene in the in the chosen where they catch the fish and and they want to you know like a god that's going to help them catch more fish. He's like, no, I got other things, bigger plans for you guys. I want you to go out and bring them all in. You'd be fishers of men, and you bring them all in, and I'll sort them out. Oh, that's his job. So yours is to to pray, and the more you pray, the more your heart will be. Oh, still, I mean, you know, we test all things, retain what is true, I and mean, we. We're not supposed to just be a doormat or to say that this could never happen. They would never manipulate her. Oh, that's, I mean, you know, people, that's the fallen uh, race is what we are. And um, and I know, I mean, when St. Vincent de Paul makes their home visits or whatever, that the prayer is always a component. We pray before we go into their homes. We pray, you know, God, help me to see what you see. Help me to, you know, be patient that 
maybe they aren't aware that you know that they're cutting some corners and and you know doing things that really won't help them to advance in virtue. Help me to be what you want me to be, Lord. Your hands, your your heart, your your mind, your your words. Give those to me, Lord. Now as I as I come to visit your people, uh, because in the end, he says, "Bring them all to me. I'll sort them out." All right, Lord, you promise. Well, yes. I mean, he he does promise, and uh, he keeps his promises much better than we do. That's for sure. So, uh, Carolyn, I think you speak to the experience of lots of people who work on a regular basis with the poor. It's easy to love the poor in theory. Love them in person. This one right here. Uh, and, you know, just drove up in a car that, you know. And many times we look at their poverty and we say, gosh, if they could just overcome some of their bad habits. You know, they spend money. They do have some money. They just spend it on the wrong things. And, yes, yeah, but Rome wasn't built in a day. And, you know, it's not so easy for them to break bad habits. It's not so easy for me to break bad habits, come to think of it. So, but... um you know, I think you, you you touch on something that's a a real challenge, and you're going to grow, and you already have that you're aware of it. You know that you see it as a I don't want to feel this way, and that you're asking the Lord to help you. You'll become holier uh, through this more than if it if it never happened at all. Carolyn, thanks so much for calling in, and uh, Father, as. You know, I was thinking about what you were saying and Carolyn's question there of not being judgmental. There's one woman I remember sharing a story of how she had her husband just walk out on her, left her with nothing. She wasn't working, had, I think, three or four children. And so she was the single mom in a situation where she didn't have anything. The thing that she'd been left was the house and the car. And the car was brand new. Uh, less than a year old and high end and but she would still have to find and it was paid for you know the payments there there weren't any so it was something that she could have as a reliable transportation and I don't even remember what it was I, I mean it might have been something like uh, you know less than a one-year-old Hummer at the time or something that was you know just kind of almost spoke of affluence but the only reason she drove that around was because it was paid for. It was something that she knew could get her from place to place, but she was still having to rely on help and the generosity of others as she was trying to kind of pick up the pieces from her life of her husband deserting her. So we really don't know what that person is dealing with and what, you know, what the circumstances are. As we look on, we just kind of get this surface view, and there might be a lot more to it than we realize. That's a great story. I mean, that, you know, I just, I see Hummers around and I always make, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, a statement in my mind about, you know, whatever. And I think that's a pretty typical human thing, but um, we don't know what people are carrying and we, how could we? And uh, to try to be uh, patient. And anyway, in the end, our judgment really doesn't, uh, it's not going to mean a whole lot of anything to anybody at any point, except that it narrows our hearts. So, uh, pray and and let the Lord stretch us so that um, you know that Jesus loved His people. He knew, you know, he he didn't need anybody to testify as to what was in man's heart. He himself understood it well because he made our heart, and he knew all the ways that we kind of hide things and we try to make it look good on the surface. And uh, so, and and the poor people sometimes maybe they're trying really hard just to to look like they got their stuff together because it's really humiliating to always have to need other people and have to depend on other people and, and have everybody know that, well, they're, they're coming in for, you know, 
food stamps. or I mean, I just don't think that that could be easy. And so maybe once in a while they, they put on a front. Well, we would never do that. Oh, I, I think I do it on a regular <laughs> basis, too. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like yeah. maybe it's a different form, but it's still the same thing that I am poor, but I don't want anybody to know it. All right. I think that's something I could sympathize with. And uh, But, Carolyn, you bring up a really good point, and that brought up a really good story from Josh, and I, these are things that help me, that's for sure. Talking with Father Sam Martin here today on The Inner Life. He is a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, and our spiritual director as we are looking at how we can help those in need in our communities and how have you been able to do that in your life? What are some of the ways that you've been able to help people? Maybe some simple, basic ways that you've been able to give back to those who don't have as much, or maybe you're the person that's been helped. And how did you experience God's love, God's mercy, God's grace in being able to receive that help. 888-914-9149 is the phone number. And a lot of calls on hold. We'll try and get to as many of you as possible. Coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage, Go to relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois Life Insurance Society, not available in all states. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to have you here for this hour as we're talking about how we can help the poor, those in need in our community, and want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Maggie Greshel for their help in producing the program today, and a big thank you to Father Sam Martin for taking this hour out of his schedule to join us here as our spiritual director on the program and uh, help us get a little better insight into ways that we can help those in need. Also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got John who's calling in from Alexandria, Virginia. Hi, John, you're on the air. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a little bit of a, of a flip side question. So my wife and I do help a, a gentleman in our church who is um, poor. We help him buy groceries and all this stuff. And But sometimes I feel guilty because other people in the church like notice that I'm doing this or that we're doing this and they recognize us and tell us what a great thing it is. And then it's like, well, am I doing it for that reason? Um, I can't, I can't lie and say it doesn't feel good that people recognize it, but you know, and then, or am I just being just too scrupulous about it and just thinking too much about this? Well, once again, it always helps just to to bring it to God into the light, so He'll help us, uh, you know, protect us from those things that we're all human after all, and and we're pretty fragile. So a little bit of affirmation can be a good thing. A lot of affirmation can be a dangerous thing. So if we're up on stage and we're a rock star, and then just the adulation of the crowd, that's uh, that that can really go to our head. But so can this. So it's one of the things that we ask God to purify our intention. So. Uh, and that's a lifelong enterprise that don't let your right hand know what your left is doing. But sometimes it finds out. And then, you know, the, the danger is that 
the affirmation can lead us to some sort of imbalance. Like people say, hey, you're really a hard worker, you do a lot for the poor, and then we like that compliment, so we do more and more, and then it can tend toward an imbalance that we, we're we now not as attentive or vigilant with our family at the, the vocation that we're living because, uh, or we're, we're working too hard, so we're not praying as much, we're getting the rest or the exercise, or we can overdo uh, just about anything, you know, and, and even things that are, are illicit pleasures or real virtues that we can, um, you know, that somehow the, the motivation can all of a sudden be uh, a little bit off. So that's why the Church always, you know, encourages, uh, you know, like the spiritual direction that happens in the confessional, uh, if we don't have a formal spiritual director, which most human beings don't, and that's okay, we just don't have enough good people to offer direction, for frankly, but... Um, but just you know, bringing those things up in our daily examination of conscience and, and making sure that Lord, protect me. You know that uh, don't let me let that. You know, just don't let that change me in a way that I I would be away from you. I wouldn't be as close to you or as good a witness for you. Uh, and these things, I mean that. You know, they tried to worship Paul and Apollos. Well, they didn't stop doing charitable things. They just said, no, 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 we're flesh and blood. And, you know, Paul could even later on write, like, by the way, these are the things that were a part of my life. I, I watched, I stood by, gave my consent to the murder of this guy named Stephen. And he puts that, he writes that himself, that I was a sinner, I was a blasphemer. And so, um, you know, he, he felt not to beat himself up, but that God was inspiring him to share those things. So look at what God's grace can do. That uh, we're never so sinful that we couldn't be saved, but we're not so holy that we're uh, you know, we're going to be canonized. People are canonized after they die, so um, and that's a safer time by far. Uh, otherwise, it'd be a dangerous thing. So, John, you, I think you identify a, 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 a real potential hazard, but um, by identifying it, it, shows that you're aware of it. Bring it to the Lord, and uh, you know it's uh, it's. But for the grace of God, any one of us could be pretty smug. And it was Flannery O'Connor that said smugness is the vice of, of the Catholic um, of Catholic people because we grow closer to the Lord and then we, we feel pretty good about it. And then we could even look down on those who aren't so close to the Lord or so we think, and that's a blindness of spirit. So God bless you, John. Keep up the good work because what you're doing is important. And uh, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name give the glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, thinking about John, and when you do get somebody who says, hey, you're doing such good work here, um, you know, when you do get that pat on the back, those kind of accolades, it also comes to my mind that you can, you know, be genuinely grateful for their appreciation for the work you're doing, but you can kind of pivot on that thank you that you say to them and turn that into an invitation well, you know, you can join us, you can help out here too. And that way it doesn't just become kind of a, hey, you're doing great work, oh, thanks, and you leave it at that. You can invite them to be part of what needs to happen. Uh, Because, you know, the more people that help out, the more good you can do. And that's one way to get less compliments, because as soon as you start doing that, they're like, whoa, hey, did you hear that? As soon as you start to say nice (laughs) things, he invites you in. Like, well, that's a little too close to comfort, you know, for comfort, but... uh, no, I think that, that there are ways. I mean, first of all, we just, you know, I thanks be to God. This is his work and, you know, and so forth. And uh, we don't we don't want to be rude or dismissive like God couldn't do anything with, you know. No, he, he chooses us. He wants us. And he, he knows there's a certain joy that uh, 
in living this sort of a life that is an imitation of Jesus and his love for the poor. So, uh, But at the same time, he knows also that if we could get, um, you know, all of a sudden there's too much of me in the work that I'm doing, and I didn't want that, but there it is, the relentless ego is, uh, you know, showing its uh, its ugly face once again. So, But God's grace can, can certainly... Uh, mortify that, sanctify that. And I do like that. It is a good way of doing it, Josh, just kind of turn it like, hey, you know, that uh, there's room. Uh, you know, come on in. The water is just fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Father Sam Martin, um, before we get back to the phones, just briefly, if I don't have maybe the financial resources that others have, but I have time to volunteer, any suggestions? I mean, we've heard a couple of people talk about, you know, volunteering with some different outreaches at their parish. Anything else you might recommend as far as how we can help those in need when we don't have financial resources to give? I think that the best thing we have, they used to say the greatest instrument is the human voice, and I think the greatest gift we have is the human heart. Like, a lot of people are lonely and isolated, and I think COVID made that very clear, how much that hurt. So I just think that Find some people you can visit, call, write a letter, uh, you know, just to reach out. That Relationships are really important for us because that shows that we were created in the image and likeness of God, who is a relational being, one God, three persons. And if we're going to learn how to love, well, then we have to kind of put ourselves out there. And uh, prison ministry, Bible studies, uh, people who are sick, bring in communion. I mean, the relational part, like, do I share my life and the, the gifts that I have and my own little way of seeing things? And maybe if I have a sense of humor or a way of relating to people, well, that's really hard. I'm, I'm pretty much an introvert. Yeah, well, I mean, but this is good for you. Get outside your comfort zone and uh, go around. There's always someone that would appreciate a call. And at first it might be awkward, but it's not too long, and you kind of get to know people, and they share their story, and you share yours. And then you st- after you get pack- past those initial stages, then you look forward to there's somebody that I, I get to know, and then we walk together until God calls us home. I just think that that doesn't cost anything, but it's sharing our life with another person, and that is of inestimable worth. Mm. Father, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, can I ask you to conclude our hour with a blessing for all those listening? May Almighty God give you courage in living out charity with great selflessness and purpose. May God bless and guide you each of your days. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Father Sam Martin, again, our spiritual director. Thank you for your time here today, Father. And, of course, if you joined us late, the podcast is available. It'll be posted here in just a little bit at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. I also want to invite you uh, tomorrow. It's the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. It's also a day that the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the USCCB, they've invited all of us, the faithful, to fast and to pray the rosary. And so fasting, please remember uh, to offer that up for peace in our world and especially for an end to legal abortion here in the U.S. And I hope you can answer the bishop's call to pray the rosary. If you're able, join us and Father Rocky on the Family Rosary Across America. Uh, You can tune in tomorrow and pray along with all of us here at 7 p.m. Central. And, of course, ask for Our Lady of Fatima, the Queen of Peace, to pray for us. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here on Relevant Radio, followed by The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. And I will see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life. I hope you have a blessed afternoon.